Parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Raise Resilient podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so happy to be here with you today. This podcast has been a long time coming. I've had this idea for such a long time and it's just gotten put on the shelf because life three kids, one who was born during the pandemic, an online therapy practice, and it just kind of got put off and we're finally making it happen. And I am just so happy because I am passionate about helping you parent in a way that feels good. So I'm so glad you're here. I thought that it would be helpful to start off this journey on this podcast together by sharing my journey into the world of respectful parenting. I think it's something that we all kind of find through our own path. And you might think that because I am a licensed psychologist, I've spent my entire career, a decade plus, working with other people's children. So you would think that parenting would just come really naturally to me. But I think respectful parenting often doesn't come as naturally as maybe we hope it would, right? We have this vision of how we're going to parent and then we have our own kids, right? And it can be really tricky. I think one of the most challenging things that we face this generation right now, parenting young kids, is that we were the generation growing up in the 80s and 90s, we were told, get up, brush it off, you're fine, you're okay, don't cry, don't worry about it. We were shooed away from our feelings. And that's because our parents thought that's what was best for us. They, many of them were spanked. They were not too far removed from the children are seen and not heard generation. So they did better than what they were raised with. You know, I give my parents a ton of credit. My dad was spanked growing up and he chose never to hit us. And he never did, not once. My mom vowed never to yell because there was yelling in her house growing up and she never did. Rarely. (laughs) I can't say never. I'm sure she at some point raised her voice, but that was not a predominant thing because she made a conscious choice to do it differently. So they broke cycles. And now we are breaking the cycles of not letting our kids feel their feelings, of trying to push them to be happy all the time, which brings me to the name of this podcast, Raised Resilient. What does that mean? Well, There's all of this pressure that we feel to raise our kids right, quote unquote, and I think it can feel really stressful. And I think many times what we go into parenting thinking is, I want my kid to be happy. It doesn't matter what they do or how they live their life, but I want them to be happy. Well, what does happy mean, right? Are any of us really happy all the time? I don't think so. I think actually that the goal should be to help our kids feel equipped to feel their feelings. 
Sometimes we feel sad. Sometimes we feel mad. Sometimes we feel jealous. Sometimes we feel bored, right? All of these complex feelings. And if we grow up with the message that the goal is to get back to happy as quickly as possible, then all of these feelings can feel really overwhelming. If we don't have practice sitting in our feelings and just letting them be, knowing that they're going to come and they're going to go, waves in the ocean, if we don't have practice with that, then when we're young adults or when we're actual adults, it can feel really stressful or even scary to have sad feelings. It can feel really unsettling to have mad feelings, right? Even as adults, those feelings are challenging for us now. We find ourselves numbing out to TV or social media or using substances to avoid our feelings. We find ourselves sort of creating this wall of toxic positivity, good vibes only, trying to get back to happy. So what if we raised our kids differently? What if we raised them so that the goal was for them to feel comfortable in their own skin, safe, feeling whatever feelings come, knowing that feelings come, feelings go. It's very normal to feel a wide range of feelings. That's resilience, right? This idea that we can tolerate whatever comes our way. So that's where the name of the podcast comes from, is this idea of raised resilient. And so that brings me back to what I was saying about how I think this generation struggles with this idea of parenting in a way that allows these feelings. We know we should. We're hearing that everywhere, right? But it's challenging because we were taught not to even sit with our own feelings. And so here we are setting out to parent differently. And that brings me back to my own journey. So I spent my whole career working with other people's kids, right? I taught swim lessons. I babysat. I taught tennis lessons. And then I worked in residential treatment centers and a therapeutic preschool. These were centers for kids who were struggling in their homes and communities or in other preschools. And they needed a little more support. And I really loved that work. I loved connecting with these kids. I loved helping them learn emotion regulation. I loved being a safe person for these kids. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. So I got my master's in education and then a doctorate in clinical psychology and continued working in those settings until I got pregnant with my first child. And when he was born, a ton of logistical factors led to me staying home with him for a little bit. So I never expected to be a stay-at-home mom, but there I was. <laughs> and I think I knew that having a baby would be a huge learning curve. I have two younger brothers and I babysat, but outside of that, really didn't have experience with babies. So I knew that would be challenging, and I knew that there was a whole lot I didn't know. But what really threw me for a loop in parenting was not having a baby. It was when my first child became a toddler, and he started having meltdowns and doing all the things that toddlers do, right? Pushing back against my limits and having his own opinions. All very normal, very healthy. But it was really challenging for me because I think... I don't even know if I was conscious of this push to keep him happy, but it was there, right? I wanted to keep him happy. And when I couldn't, I felt like I was failing and sitting with his feelings was uncomfortable, right? And I wanted to get him back to feeling good again so that we could have fun. And he would have these intense meltdowns over seemingly little things. And I would feel so frustrated. 
Why are we spending our days like this? Note that I said we, (laughs) because when he had a meltdown, I would also get frustrated. And I would go to bed every night. Sometimes during the day I had gotten frustrated. I had raised my voice and I would go to bed every night feeling like I was failing, feeling like I didn't know what I was doing as a mom and kind of wondering, am I getting it right? Am I doing something wrong? Is he going to be okay? Why does this feel so hard? Now, just to pause right here and say, parenting is hard, okay? And I don't want you to think that if you feel like parenting is hard, it's because you're doing it wrong. That's not true. Parenting is just hard by design. But my goal is not necessarily to make parenting easy because I couldn't. I couldn't do that for you. Couldn't do that for myself. But my goal here is to make parenting feel lighter and to empower you with confidence to know that even when it's hard, that you're doing right by your kid, right? And that you're doing okay. You're doing enough, that you are enough. And those are the things that I didn't know when I was a first-time mom. And so here I am home all day with a toddler and he's melting down and I'm feeling really unsure. And so I did what any mother parenting in the age of the internet would do. And I Googled and I found myself coming up against these two concepts over and over. And the first one was attachment, the idea of attachment. That simply means the quality of the relationship you have with your child. And ultimately, so attachment theory is something that I had studied and worked with a lot when I was a doctoral student. And it is a predominant lens through which I see my therapy clients. I think a lot about what kind of attachment did they have when they were younger? What was the quality of those relationships, those first relationships with caregivers? And there's a lot of good research now that says those relationships are super important. So I like to think of attachment as kind of your parenting ace, your relationship with your child. And suffice it to say that having a positive quality of relationship with your child, we call that a secure attachment in attachment theory. It predicts all kinds of really positive outcomes. Things whether or not your child will want to come home when they're an adult. The kind of relationship they're going to have with you as they navigate life. The kind of relationship they're going to have with peers. How successful they will be at endeavors that they pursue, right? So suffice it to say that pretty much any outcome you hope for for your child is somehow connected to that attachment relationship, And so that was one of the things that I kept finding in the research and then, or in my research, my Googling. (laughs) Other concept that I kept coming up against was this idea of respect, respectful parenting, respecting our kids. I think when we were growing up, we heard a lot about whether or not we were respecting our parents, but it was not a given. And I would say it is still not a given that we should also be treating our kids with respect. If we just think about babies, right? If we think about how we treat babies, we are so often so focused on getting the crying to stop that sometimes we're not listening to what the crying is really trying to say. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got to take care of our kids' needs. And when our children are babies, crying is the only form of communication they have. So often when they're crying, there is a basic need that needs to get taken care of. They need fed. They need love and held. They need to be close to you. They need changed. They're tired and they need sleep, right? Those are some basic needs. But sometimes babies cry and 
they need you to be able to be with their feelings. And that is not something that we do as a society very well. There's a whole lot of baby products out there meant to stop the crying and to get that baby to just be chill, right? So we don't think about babies necessarily as whole people from the moment that they're born, as the default in our society. There's a whole lot of picking babies up without telling them and thinking, oh, they're just babies. They don't know what's going on. So this idea of respectful parenting, of respecting children from the moment they're born as the whole people that they are, this is something that came from a pediatrician named Emmy Pickler. She was a European pediatrician, and she was one of the first to really say that, you know what, babies are whole people, and they deserve our respect. And her student, Magda Gerber, took that philosophy into the United States under the name RIE, Resources for Infant Educators. And then her student, Janet Lansbury, I think Janet really made these ideas accessible to parents, right? Through her podcast, Unruffled, through her books, through her blog posts. I'm super grateful to Janet because I found her podcast and her blog posts and books as part of my search. And I really appreciated this idea of, and it seems so simple when I say it out loud, but this idea of respecting our kids as the default, telling your baby before you pick them up, narrating a diaper change so that they know what's happening before the cold wipe hits their bottom, right? Those kinds of ideas are not pervasive in our society, but they're so helpful to building that attachment relationship. And from that, that's our base. Then from that comes all kinds of ideas about what is discipline, right? When you look at parenting through the lens of respect, putting a child in time out when they're having intense feelings is not a respectful action. And I'll talk a lot about my views on punishments and how to handle those tricky moments as we move forward. But suffice it to say that I just kept finding this idea of respect and respect as it relates to building that attachment relationship. And I just felt so almost comforted by this idea. This was something I had been missing and not because I didn't think my child deserved respect, but because I didn't really understand how these little interactions could communicate respect or how some of the things I was doing by default based on how I was parented or or the status quo weren't respectful. So I started to shift how I was parenting. And in doing so, here are a few of the main ideas that really were game changers for me. So the first one, and really let this sink in because it sounds simple again when you say it out loud, but it's actually really powerful. The first idea that really transformed my parenting was this idea that it's not my job to fix my child's feelings. It is not my job to keep him happy. That was a game changer. It still is to this day, knowing that my kids are allowed to feel what they feel. They don't have to be happy all the time. And actually, I can empower them with emotion regulation tools to understand that these feelings come and that they go, that it's safe and healthy and okay to feel a wide range of things, and that it's okay for them to feel it for as long as they need to, for as deeply as they need to. None of us should ever judge our feelings or 
try to avoid them or stuff them down. But what we do with our feelings matters, right? We can't go out and hit somebody just because we're mad. So letting our kids experience their feelings in the presence of a caregiver who can keep them safe and who is calm and who has regulated themselves is everything. So when you think about the idea that you don't have to fix your child's feelings, the goal shifts from get them back to happy as quickly as possible to let them feel this, welcome the feelings, and keep them safe. So don't let them hit you. Don't let them destroy the room. But outside of that, they can feel their feelings for as long as those feelings need to come out. So that was a huge shift for me in my parenting. I was such a happier mom knowing that it wasn't my job to fix my child's feelings. The second concept that was really a game changer for me was the idea that it's not my job to entertain my child. So I had this idea that I needed to be on the floor playing all day. And there were times when that was really fun, especially with my first child when I was staying home and he was learning new things and I had never had a baby before and it was really kind of amazing to just sit there and witness all of the things that he was doing. And I think even now, there are times when it's really, really fun to just sit on the floor and watch the amazing things that my kids come up with. And there are plenty of other times where I need to be doing other things for myself, to run the household, for my businesses, and I can't sit and entertain my kids. Well, the good news is that was never my job, and it's not your job either. So I'm going to talk a lot as this podcast unfolds about independent play why you should nurture that, and how to do that. Because independent play is such a wonderful skill. Freud said that play is the work of childhood. And it truly, truly is. Our kids don't just want to play. They need to play. And they need to play by themselves sometimes. They need to just be able to go and enter their world of imagination and do what it is that they need to do to do their work, right? And when you start to think of it like that, you can really nurture that so that you can also take care of your needs while you're letting your kids take care of theirs. So that was a game changer as well. And the third idea that was really, really a game changer for me was the idea that there is no such thing as perfect parenting. Y'all, it legit does not exist. There is no amount of reading you can do, no podcast that's going to, including this one, (laughs) that's going to just make it so that you don't mess up anymore. I think there was a part of me that had this idea that if I just read enough books, if I just go back to the knowledge I learned in grad school, if I can apply that here well enough, I'll just be this mom that never yells at my kid. Well, I hate to burst your bubble if you, like me, had that idea, but you're going to mess this up. I mess this up all the time. So I'm going to empower you with what to do when you do mess up and why actually it's a good thing when you do. It's actually healthy and wonderful that we are imperfect as parents. It's healthy for our kids. It's healthy for the attachment relationship. So I will get into all of that, but let me leave you with the idea that you don't have to be perfect. In fact, it's really great that you're not. All you can do is repair when you make a mistake and move forward and keep 
showing up. That is the key right there. Hardest day you might have and you've got to get up the next day and keep showing up. So those three concepts, the idea that I don't have to fix my kids' feelings, the idea that I don't need to entertain my child, and the idea that I don't need to be perfect, those three things right there started a massive shift in my parenting journey to where I felt I could really enjoy my child. I felt like I could really enjoy being a parent. The pressure just felt so much less. Now, parenting was still hard and it still is for me now, but it's not heavy, if that makes sense. So that's my goal for you. And that is my goal in this podcast is to answer your questions through the lens of building that attachment relationship and respecting your child as you go through life with them. How to handle any parenting struggle through building up that relationship. So this week, I'm going to leave you with this challenge until we have next week's episode. I want you to pay attention to where you feel a pull to fix a feeling, whether that's yours or your child's. Just notice that. Notice how often you feel pulled to make it stop. And as you do that, say to yourself, it is okay for this feeling to exist. It's okay that I feel sad. It's okay that my child feels sad. All I have to do is let this feeling be, right? And see if something shifts for you as you do that. Thank you so much for listening. If your child's meltdowns are stressing you out, I've got you. My Complete Guide to Meltdowns will walk you through exactly what's going on and how to help so that next time your child melts down, you can feel confident. Download your copy today for free at raiseresilient.com slash grow. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share this episode and leave a review. Let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we've got this.